Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There are two ways of looking at fan theories. On the one hand, their awkwardly contrived, rose-tinted, usually nonsensical attempts at bridging several meaningless story elements that only really exist to excuse lazy writing inconsistencies or unresolved slices of weird fan fiction. Whereas on the other hand, no they're not. Fan theories are half the fun of getting involved in movies, TV shows, games, books, or anything where the authors can craft their own reality. Real life is pretty much terrible all the time, so having a make-believe realm that you can discuss and theorise over to your heart's content is about as close to legitimate self-care as you're going to get on your own sofa. Besides, if you're going to plunge yourself down a proverbial rabbit hole, you might as well make it one that opens up into an entire universe of interconnected characters, stories, events, federations, conspiracies, romances, and secrets. A lot has happened on screen in Star Trek, and even more has happened off it, meaning that the potential for fan-concocted observations to blow entire narratives apart is... To borrow a phrase, highly logical. My name is Adam Cleary and these are 10 crazy Star Trek theories. See, it's, it's a rhyme. Number 10, Wesley Crusher is secretly Picard's son. Now, Jean-Luc Picard has a very strange relationship with children, and no, not like that. While he shuns any and all social engagements where he might be forced to interact with them, the death of his nephew utterly devastated him. And while floating around in the Nexus, he is shown an idealised version of his own life, including a tiny litter of little Picardlets. His relationship to Wesley Crusher is also a curious one, as despite being a lifelong friend of the Crusher family and the man who was there for Beverly after her husband's death, death, everything about her son seems to put him on edge. He's the closest thing to a father figure that Wesley has, but Picard shuts down almost any situation that would lead to them growing closer. More intriguing still is that Picard's pelvic telephone is obviously ringing off its very hook for his own chief medical officer, and yet uglies are never bumped during the duration of the show. What gives? Well, fans have figured that one out. Wesley Crusher is, secretly, the product of an affair between Picard and his dead best friend's wife. And it's the guilt he has over this that shapes his aversion to children, his refusal to mentor Wesley, and his constant no Beverly, we mustn't attitude to getting his hole. Number nine, Tom Paris is Nick Locarno. It escaped the attention of precisely nobody, but Star Trek Voyager's Robert Duncan McNeil also once cropped up fairly prominently in Star Trek The Next Generation. There he played a Starfleet cadet named Nick Locarno, who having just got one of his squadmates killed while flying, was orchestrating an elaborate cover-up he would later come clean about. 
about. Lo and behold, when Tom Parrish was introduced in Voyager, his Starfleet career had disintegrated after an incident he'd caused while flying had led to the deaths of his colleagues. He'd attempted to cover up the incident, but compelled to do the right thing, he had also come clean. Two incredibly similar characters played by the very same actor, but the show insisted they were different people. Now, despite rumours persisting, and indeed dismissals always being forthcoming, that Voyager had originally intended to have McNeil reprise the role, only for disputes over writing credits to nix it, the issue's never been cleared up on screen. Fans insist, however, that not wanting to live in the shadow of his Admiral Father, Thomas Paris simply adopted the name Nicholas Lacano for his time in the Academy, but obviously dropped it again when he was expelled. I mean, think about it, Thomas and Nicholas sound quite similar, both Paris and Lacano are cities in Europe, and just look... This is quite literally the same person, so... Number 8, the NX-01 Enterprise is based on the Enterprise E. The Temporal Prime Directive states that something something, don't go back in time, yada yada, but if you do, don't touch anything, so on and so forth. Star Trek First Contact saw our intrepid gang bin that off entirely, but in their defence, circumstances had veered horribly into the extenuating. There was no way they could save the past without getting involved with it just a teeny tiny little bit. With the timeline restored, Paramount saw fit to consider an all new series of television detailing the early days of Starfleet and its maiden voyages into the stars. The design of the titular ship, though, seemed to have a lot more in common with the Enterprise E of that movie, as opposed to the original Enterprise it was allegedly preceding. Bit weird? Fans worked out, though, that the first and thus most influential look Zephram Cochrane would ever have had at a warp-capable ship wasn't his own Phoenix, but the Enterprise E he saw through the telescope during first contact. Given his continued involvement with Starship design after all this, it makes sense that the glimpse he got of a 2373 ship in 2063 would end up shaping their initial look. Number 7. There was a Q in the original series. Q is a mysterious alien entity with powers comfortably in the omnipotent scale, with a demented sense of humour and a deep-rooted love of bothering the crews of ships named Enterprise. But if his arrival on the next generation seemed familiar to fans of the original series, that's because it was. In the episode The Squire of Gothos, they encountered a being known as Trelawney, who, despite taking human form, displayed the trademark godlike powers of a Q. He distorts time and space seemingly at will, genuinely gets a kick out of being an impossible juvenile turd, and, stop me if you've heard this one before, places the crew of the Enterprise on trial. Yes, okay, it is revealed that some mechanical trickery is involved with all this, but if he was a Q, then it's not as if that also being a deception is beyond the realms of possibility. Either way, it hasn't stopped fans from speculating at length that he is a juvenile member of the Continuum, with numerous fan theories detailing precisely where and how he's weaved his particular brand of mischief in the Star Trek universe. Number 6, Star Trek and Star Wars are a shared universe. I mean, no, obviously, but if we look, look, wait, there, that's the Millennium Falcon, so... Checks out. 5, Star Trek 5 takes place within the Nexus. Ah yes, the Nexus as explored in Star Trek Generations is a mysterious interstellar phenomenon where people can live out a dreamlike existence free of the usual constraints that come with both time and space. You can explore entire lifetimes in the blink of an eye or spend eternity in a singular moment. It is a literal nirvana so coveted that Ellen DeGeneres here was happy to kill 230 million people just to get into it. Coincidentally, Star Trek V The Final Frontier sees Kirk going on fun camping trips with Spock and McCoy 
McCoy defeating a bunch of Klingons like they're no big deal, journeying to the very centre of the universe, and outmaneuvering God himself in a game of wits. Or, in other words, pretty much the ethereal fever dream of a classic narcissist feeling like his best days are behind him. The fan theory, such as it is, is that the final frontier actually takes place after the opening events of Generations, and not between the voyage home and the undiscovered country. Everything that happens is just a result of Kirk falling out the Enterprise B into the Nexus and living out his hashtag best life. Number 4. Khan wiped out India and China The United Federation of Planets is made up of representatives from over 150 member planets spread across 8,000 light years. In regards to Earth, very much the organization's core world, a united humanity works together irrespective of race or geography because we're ultimately all just part of the same species. Yet, for some reason, people of Chinese or Indian descent who currently make up almost half of the entire world's population are virtually never seen. Like, you have seen more Bolians than you have Indians. While it's possible that their booming populations could have been brought under control by the 24th century, the prevalence of Western descent characters grossly outweighs any reasonable projections for humanity's diversity. On a united Earth, Indian and Chinese officers should be more common on Starfleet vessels than Americans or Europeans, and yet Garrett Wang's Taiwanese ancestry is the closest we have ever come. And even then, Harry Kim was born in South Carolina. Now, while yes, this is simply because it's a Western show and thus much easier to cast Western actors, fans have come up with an in-universe theory that fits what we're shown on screen. Simply that the eugenics wars famous for giving humanity Khan, Nooni and Singh saw both of these nations decimated in the conflict. Little is known about them, but it is canon that when Khan rose to power in the 1990s, he was considered absolute ruler of more than a quarter of the planet from Asia through the Middle East. It is also noted in Enterprise that entire populations were bombed out of existence. Existence. Putting two and two together here, and India and China's lack of representation in Star Trek makes a bit of sense. Number three, the Excelsior's transwarp tests actually worked. A throwaway plot device it may be, but the USS Excelsior's much-hyped transwarp drive felt like a pretty big deal in the search for Spock. After depending entirely on warp drive for the original series and the opening movies, here was a brand new form of propulsion that promised to make the old one obsolete somehow. They were pretty sketchy on the details, and it was just never mentioned again. The term didn't crop up in any meaningful way until the Borg were using it to traverse the galaxy in the blink of an eye in Star Trek Voyager. Ultimately, Captain Janeway used one of their transwarp hubs to get her ship home 50 years ahead of schedule, so you'd think if Starfleet had cracked this tech a good few decades prior, someone might have mentioned that. Fans have concluded, though, that in fact they did, it's just not the same thing. Transwarp in Starfleet terms refers to the ability to immediately hit any warp factor the ship requires, rather than having to speed up through them as you would with, say, a car. This explains why, in the next generation, Picard orders higher velocities considerably more freely than we'd seen in the original series. The term transwarp just got dropped because it was now the norm. Number two, Spock is related to Sherlock Holmes. A fan theory here that was actually willed so hard into existence that it was teased by Leonard Nimoy in one of the original movies. Spock, through his human mother's side of the family, is distantly related to London's most famous consulting detective, Sherlock Holmes. Owing to both the makeup of the characters and the way they've both been portrayed by numerous actors, fans have always seen clear similarities between Spock and Holmes. The impeccable logic, the dedicated reasoning, the unrivaled deductive prowess, and the rather liberal use of the word fascinating. Star Trek offered no hard evidence for this, save for Spock's human heritage, but nonetheless the theories persisted. However, finally, finally in Star Trek VI The Undiscovered Country, Spock says, 
An ancestor of mine maintained that if you eliminate the impossible, whatever remains, however improbable, must be the solution. While not mentioning Holmes by name, the line is almost an exact quote from the 1890 Conan Doyle story, The Sign of Four. Number one, the Borg are farming humanity. The Federation often considers itself in a constant state of war with the Borg. Understandable, really, as the Collective has twice attempted to directly assimilate Earth and, while they might have been repelled both times, inflicted catastrophic damage along the way. Strange, then, that despite the Borg's near-limitless resources, both of these attempts have only seen a solitary cube dispatched to do the job. After all, survivors of species who have been wiped out by them usually speak of entire fleets of ships arriving and assimilating whole systems in a matter of days. The character Artemis in Voyager using the word hundreds. This half-arsed attempt to add humanity to the thousands in its hive has led to the fan theory that the Borg have no desire to assimilate humanity yet and are in fact simply farming them for new technology. Every Federation encounter with them leads to a surge in new tech, new ships and new weapons as Starfleet plunges its resources away from exploration and into innovation instead. Unable to invent new things themselves, the Borg are constantly forcing the galaxy's more scientifically minded species to push the boundaries forward. Them. In short, if you grind all your hens up into meat, none of them are going to lay you a nice juicy egg. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.